I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players. Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We'll take a look back at the WM Phoenix Open wrapping up this past Sunday in Scottsdale. Scotty Scheffler, the defending champ, wins it again, back-to-back years, reascending to world number one, the battle between Scotty and Rory and John Rahm week in, week out to regain number one is impressive and fun to watch. Looking forward this week, we have the Genesis Invitational going on right now. We're recording on a Thursday instead of Tuesday because Tuesday was Valentine's Day. So to all the wives and girlfriends of the Big Players Only podcast, we love you all and we couldn't do this without you. Looking at the Genesis this week, we have Riviera, one of the best courses on the PGA Tour schedule, one of Colin's favorite events of the year. We'll take a look at the field. We'll look at the leaderboard a bit and talk a little bit more about why this course is so iconic. We also have a couple more things going on. We have the Netflix docu-series that just released this Wednesday, Full Swing. It follows the PGA Tour for a full season in 2022. Uh, Most of us are through a couple episodes. I think Tully might have been able to finish it, and we are in love. It is a lot of fun to watch. It's really great for any audience, anyone who's into golf or not into golf. Make sure you check it out. And we'll also talk about a couple more players being added to the TGL, Tiger and Rory's League, uh, Xander Schauffele, and Justin Rose both being added. So thanks so much for joining us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at BigPlayersOnlyPod. Thanks so much for being here. All right, we're back. We're going to start with the WM Phoenix Open wrapping up this past Sunday, right? Scotty Scheffler with a chance to get back-to-back titles, a tight race on the back nine, brings it home. I think Colin talked about last week when we were betting on the AT&T, like the experience really prevails down the stretch, right? He was head-to-head with the kid Nick Taylor, who's been on the tour for a few years, was an incredible amateur, uh, but you could really tell like he just couldn't quite withstand the weather and even though Scheffler wasn't hitting the best shots that he could be his short game and his poise was all he needed give me your guys thoughts on this past week at the waste management I think it's funny how everyone just kind of keeps overlooking Scotty like going into the, that yeah. week it was all about except Doug I picked him last week <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah you were just yeah. following on the board you were just following Collins pick from last yeah, year it's poser <laughs> yeah you're just trying to be like <laughs> just Colin. recycle but, Collins but all like the storylines though everything right, was, though. It was right, all so. about Rory and Rom fighting for that number one spot and then like Rory was kind of irrelevant most of the week, and then Rom really fell off once Ken <coughs> took him live at like plus two fifty. Well, I even said last week that I, I think that some people gave me a look when I was saying Rom and Rory were fighting for like the best player in the world status, and I was like actually dismissing Scotty. I guess I was wrong. Is it a three man race? Pretty much is that is that what we're kind of thinking right now? Well, we're in like some really cool territory because like we've had in the past decade times where there were players kind of shuffling in and out of number one, but but Rory, Rom, and Scotty are just leaps and bounds ahead of the world right now. Like Max Home was playing some good golf. JT's playing Can't some good golf. Cantley's playing good golf. But these three guys are unbelievable. In any week, 
they could reshuffle. And yeah. they're going to start, I think, distancing themselves, and it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, what's going to be cool is we're going to actually be able to see them constantly all playing in the same events with all yeah. the designated elevated stuff. They're all just going to be at the same things all year, pretty much. It's going to be interesting to, like, if someone like, uh, I know we're talking about the Phoenix, uh, WM Phoenix, but, like, if someone like um, DJ rips off, like, five wins in a row and live, it's like, is he, he the, no is he the best? Or, you know, and it's like, that's the only way I can see someone else joining that kind of group of three, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, Cam Smith's still kind of in that conversation. That's true, that's true Cam Smith, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. These guys are playing some, like, incredible golf right now. I'm not saying that DJ or Cam or Bryson or maybe even Brooks would, like, contend every once in a while, but the consistencies from these three guys is outrageous. Like, I haven't seen one of those three guys have a bad round in, like, six months. Well, even even this past tournament, like, watching Rom, it seemed like he had a C game. Yeah. Like, he never yeah. was, he was hitting pissed. the ball he well. He was pissed half the Wasn't time. hitting the ball well off the tee, which he normally never does, and he finishes solo third. Like, I mean, he's now in that rare echelon of player that doesn't play well and still scrapes together top fives like they're nothing. I mean, we're recording on Thursday, right? So I got to see Rom's round today. Same thing. Guy's complaining after almost every other shot. He doesn't feel like he's playing well. He's six under and one off the lead. Like, I, I don't know. Like Spoilers. The, 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 <laughs> if you're listening to this. I don't know. I think the standard that Rory, Rom, and Scotty are playing up to now because they're all three pushing each other is just really cool. You could tell Rom was chasing a little bit this week, though. Like, he kept... Really, he kept going right or going in the that rough. I don't know if it's a rough or like a literal desert over there, but he yeah, kept getting yeah. in some bad situations. Like one or two of those drives goes um, down the fairway. He actually has a shot to win this thing. Yeah, I think that's a, it's an interesting point you make because I think a lot of people were saying that Scotty got a ton of good breaks on Sunday. And while he, he did get a few fair breaks, he didn't get any like, I don't know, like I saw John Rahm hit a drive today that was headed toward a media tent and hit a tree and bounced 30 yards back into like the first cut of rough. Like that's a good break. Scotty got some favorable bounces, but I felt like it took away from the storyline a little bit. I was like, Scotty is playing some incredible golf right now. Like he's not perfect. He's making mistakes, but his short game is helping him to recover, but he's being aggressive when he needs to. And he's, he's playing outstanding golf. I, I don't want to take away from what he did. He got some good breaks, but everyone does. You get good and bad. Well, you take a look at 16. I mean, that was kind of the tournament at the, the WM. I mean, they all hit the final group. They're all within one, one, two shots of each other. They all hit bad shots. Scotty pitches it to 25 feet, makes the putt. Uh, Taylor hits it to what five ten feet, misses it, and yep. it just swings like that. So Scotty, his putter kind of bailed him out. But you know, when you're that elite player, that's what you got to kind of lean on on Sunday afternoons. Well, in that on that hole, people were saying that he got a good break by hitting the grandstands and getting a free drop. I mean, maybe, but he made a seventeen footer to make par on that <laughs> hole and essentially take home the championship. So, like, I don't know. I don't want to hear it. Scotty's touch around the green is like one thing that I really think set him sets him apart and his like ability to recover when he does hit a bad shot which doesn't happen very often but like his touch his chipping like he always just I don't know what it is about his how he's able to do it but when he chips it the ball always dies right at the hole like normally you see these pros doing that with like their putts but it's like his chips every single one is the perfect speed no matter how he hits it it's crazy I think Jordan gets a ton of credit for his short game and rightfully so that's because when Jordan gets put in the most precarious of positions, he can hit shots no one else can. But I think what Scotty does is Scotty takes what are ordinary chips or ordinary short game shots, and he he does them better than anyone else in the world. Like, you know, 20-yard pitch shots out of an iffy lie in the rough with lots of green to work with. You expect pros to get those up and down. But every once in a while, they get a little steep or something, and it kind of rides at the face, and they have a 10-footer for par. Scotty's almost making those every single time. He's just putting them inside a two-foot circle, and I think – by not making those mistakes, that allows him to contend on Sunday. 
And that one, sh- if if that uh, if the wind didn't pick up on that one shot, did you see that one? It blew it off the green, like yeah, that was like, on oh, like Thursday or Friday. It. That was early. I was watching that live. He like stuck it to like two feet, and then was just like, oh, here it goes. Here it goes. And then like the next hole, it was, the next hole was like not any wind at all. So if he didn't get that yeah. bad break, he would have literally had two more strokes probably. Yeah, I mean, that first day was kind of wild with like, yeah. I mean, they were all really struggling with it. I was impressed with how Nick Taylor was the one that was challenging him on Sunday. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> you've all these guys up there. I know JT was making a run at it. He's a big name. But like Rom kind of fell off. Nick Taylor was the one down the stretch that was like actually giving Scotty some heat, and he was doing it literally sixty yards behind the, his two playing yeah. partners on every drive. Like Scotty and Rom be hitting it like three ten, three twenty off the tee, and Nick Taylor's barely pushing his driver like past two sixty, and he was hitting like five irons in and getting it closer than both those guys. It was crazy. Yeah, there was like I think like fourteen or fifteen. Nick Taylor literally flew his drive two fifty six. Yeah. I was like, I, you know, and, and eventually I think he finally missed a green there when he had been hitting them. Like, it kind of caught up to him. But it was interesting to see a guy that was like, I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to not make mistakes. And you saw how closely he hung with Scotty, right? Even though Scotty's making lots of birdies, he's also making a mistake here and there. But it's kind of like you think the formula to catch Scotty is to go out there and just blow the course up and make a ton of birdies. But Nick Taylor's proven that it's kind of just hanging around that gives you the chance. And he's a two. I didn't realize he's a two-time winner on the PGA Tour. It surprised me. I think he won the AT and T at one point, and then Sanderson Farms are one of those early in the year tournaments. He was kind of one of those names, like when Cantlay came up, that he could have been, and he's still a very good golfer, but he maybe hasn't hit that stretch yet. But maybe this is like one of those tournaments that kind of catapults, and maybe you know we see a new Scotty kind of from Nick Taylor. It's funny, like I was just looking at his positions and his like earnings for the year, and like this guy's already made like six hundred thousand dollars this year, like having get, yep. gotten like three top tens. Like, must be nice to was be that before the waste management. Before yeah, he got two point one million at the waste. Yeah, management. I was gonna say. It's wow. like it must be nice to be just two point one for a second. Wow. Well, yeah, I know Scotty got like three point. I didn't realize. Yeah, I know it's twenty million dollars first. Yeah, but like, it jumped a long lot. Way. I was like, must be nice to like no one knows who you are and you just have seven hundred k like on the season. Is that the best part about the PGA Tour is how freaking good these guys are? Like, if you met if you met a guy that's a hundred 50th in the FedEx Cup rankings. He just went out and played golf with him. You'd be like, dude, like, how are you not number one in the world? And he's making like, yeah, a few hundred grand. It's nothing compared to like the 8 million that Scotty's already won. So what'd you all think of this as the elevated event? I think this is the first real one we've gotten. You know, I think this one's a little bit hard to judge because it already is so fan uh, oriented and it's already got a lot of juice. But what do you think this year with the the different uh, standards about it? I mean, I thought it was a lot better. I feel like in the past when we've watched this tournament, like there's one or two big names in it. There's not like the, the storylines aren't there. You know, we, we were spoiled last year with Canley and, and Scheffler. Yeah, we were spoiled there. And but Brooks. even even that, there and was Brooks. there was no you know discussion about like oh someone could become world number one from this tournament. Whereas in this case, we had you know the three guys that are going to be arguably competing for it all year, and then everybody that's chasing them, um, that's in like the top thirty, they're all all where they're playing. So I think is. Nice to be able to throw on, regardless of what time, you're seeing those big-name guys out there. It made it more enjoyable from the at-home experience. I don't know if it did anything for actually there because, you know, they're more worried about how many beers they've consumed and what's going to happen with the streaker on the 16th hole kind of thing. So, <laughs> But I think the at-home viewer experience is a lot better. Who, uh, When you speak about the streaker... I do think it's funny how this guy, like, what he wanted. Although he wanted he's us so, to talk about, he kind of got in trouble. Yeah, he's he's right fairly now. glorified in the world of golf now. Yeah. Like, I love that. Like, you, like, if someone streaks at the Super Bowl, I don't think we had one this year. But oh my god, everyone's like, "What a disgrace!" Like, this is America. This is a championship football game. And then someone streaks at DVC Scottsdale, and it's like, "Hell yeah, let's get more." I don't. I don't think he could have done that in any other event. Yeah. No, <laughs> he got away with it. But, 
I have to say for me, like I probably admittedly, I probably watched the least golf out of the entire group. And for me, this felt like the beginning of the season. It felt like a real kickoff. Mm -hmm. Like I got really excited. I was watching it. And like, I mean, I've been tuning into the other tournaments, checking scores. But for this one, I was like sitting down and really, really watching it. And I feel like if this tournament brands itself as the elevated event, but also the start of the season for, I mean, I know it's not the actual start of the season, but like the official start of the season, I think it has a really cool place. Almost like it kind of is rising to the same as the players in a lot of, I mean, do you guys see, I mean, the players are probably still above it as far as like quality of, Oh, just popularity for sure. But is it going to yeah. be like the, it's basically going to be players in this as the kind of the, the five, six for the, for the whole year. Like what are, what are the kind of arguments? Uh, for I don't that? think you're all, wait, you're not far off base. There's a lot of really good tournaments that will compete with it. But it getting an elevated course, it's a yeah. stadium course, right? It's yeah. got a big the fan next five base. Years, like it might, it's going to be. It's like a the tough next course, players, right? right? Lots of good players. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's just like that sixth spot right now is just so up for grabs for all these elevated events and all these other tournaments. But it's a clear contender for that. I agree. I'll play devil's advocate here. I think it's a. <laughs> I think it's a fan sure, favorite yeah, event. Nice. It's fun to watch on TV. Like the course is very. Isn't that what matters though? Well. But, sure, not to, but not to the players, maybe. No. I, I think it's good. It's fun to watch on TV. The course is beautiful with like the sand the desert the cactuses and cacti cacti, cacti. Yeah. um yeah. you got the 16th stadium which is just always like a huge party but in terms of like the golf and the co- the actual like golf course itself yeah, i'm not that impressed with, i like but the finishing stretch is fun 16 17 18 but like the front nine, I I couldn't I couldn't tell you what one hole is on the front nine. Admittedly, I was watching mostly sixteen, seventeen, eighteen the entire. Yeah, week. I really you're right. I think I wasn't watching much of the front. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a tournament, even with its elevated status. I don't feel like the players were taking it nearly as seriously as you you would see them at the players or some of those other you know ones that maybe are in more contention for that you know six spot five spot kind of thing maybe it's recency bias but i feel like last year like this kicked off the scotty run and brooks has had a lot of history here like i feel like the players kind of see this as a start especially because it's the first i mean it's 2023 kind of turning a new leaf like i know there's other tournaments but it it does i don't know maybe i'm just uh i don't know maybe that's just my bias but i I think it's it's got a chance i think it's just because it's it's so geared towards casual golf fans or non-golf fans that yeah, it gets it's different it's unique. it gets so much more you know popularity out of it and it makes it so much more exciting to watch i mean you ask somebody who doesn't watch much golf they might say this tournament over any other would be what they'd want to go to and it was super bowl week so yeah so much down. going on i feel like ken's like like humpty dumpty here like he was really on this being number six and now he's like nah it can't be number six i think it, i think seven? it is number six i Genesis. think you have to ask yourself why was the players no number five the players is number five because it has an iconic course with an iconic hole, which so does TBC Scottsdale. And people loved the players because it had the best field and the most money. So now you have the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which now has one of the best fields and some of the best money. It pretty much checks all the boxes that TBC Sawgrass and the players does. So I think it could be number six. And specifically, it fills that check mark of being the fan favorite. But Colin's argument is the course itself is not like ter- overall isn't like terribly exciting other than the kind of the main holes. I mean, Sawgrass is a fun course, but yeah, I mean, Dub played it, but most people probably can't like identify a hole outside of that 16, right. 17, 18 finish. Beautiful course. I mean, waste management's pretty too. It's there's some mundane holes in there, just like there's some mundane holes at Sawgrass. I don't know. I do think it could be number six, but we'll see. Uh, before we move on from the WM Phoenix Open, can we just uh, reiterate what we were talking about before this podcast about the Sunday fashion and Scotty's shirt? 
<laughs> it was funny, right? He's in contention. Dad he has shirt. the lead going in. What was your text? Dad shirt. You dad shirt. Dad. Yeah. I don't know. Like Scotty, we know is never going to impress us with what he's wearing, right? He's not out there. Like Nike knows that their swoosh is enough to brand themselves on Scotty, but Scotty's wearing a polo that, like, where the seams are, like the colors are lighter because it's been washed a thousand times. It looks like, and it looks like, like either it got handed down from his dad or he wears it every Sunday because it's his favorite golf shirt. He got it was the goodwill, all right. It's just oh, but the big I mean, sleeves is where they got. That's me. this is exactly why we forget about him yeah. when we're talking about the top golfers not not because he wears dad shirts but he <laughs> he wants to be that guy he wants to fly under the radar yeah. he's kind of that oh shucks guy he's just out there having a good time and <laughs> he doesn't want to be in the limelight and so he's not a you know in front of the camera loud personality kind of guy and that's why oftentimes it's like who's the best golfers in the world well not scotty because you don't think about him unless he's at the top of the leaderboard is wow. Baggy in though? Could Baggy come back? Baggy might it's come been back. Tight, tight's yeah. been the fashion for like five years. Baggy yeah. come back. Maybe Baggy comes like back. Like those yeah. old tiger shirts he'd wear in those. Uh, yeah. yeah, like the <laughs> big pants. Down, like the sleeves down past <laughs> the elbows and the pleated pants. God, oh my God. Could come back. Colin's like cringing right Scotty now. had one of like the greatest runs in golf ever last year, and he did it wearing like a Tiger Woods golf shirt that you can buy at like Dick's. <laughs> yeah. And Tiger Woods golf shirt. He's trying to save money. money. That's his brand. Yeah. That's his brand. They're really comfortable. Yeah, and then Nick Taylor wearing, like, Ben, you're cracking me up. Like, he was sponsored by Adidas, but he literally had, like, 50 Adidas logos <laughs> on every spot. It was like his. hat, left chest, right shoulder, right sleeve, back, pants, shoes. It was outrageous. He's like the new Sergio of the PGA Tour. Speaking of some other guys that maybe are known for their fashion, specifically Ricky Fowler, is he back? Yeah. Is the Jason and, and, Man, good call. and Jason good Day, call. are they oh, back? Yeah. Ricky had a good round today, shot three under at, at Riviera, so... I think all things about Ricky's game point that he's back. It might not be the most consistent he's back, but you're going to see him start contending a little more. But that putter still looks so rough. Like, I will say a lot of guys struggled this week in Phoenix putting. I don't know why. It just felt like everyone was leaving putts short, and they were maybe the greens were confusing them a bit. But Ricky had probably half a dozen putts on Sunday that were quite literally over a foot short, and I don't know why. Like, he just is not that comfortable with that putter. I think I was telling Tully, I was like, Ricky either makes the putt dead center or misses the cup by a cup from 10 feet. And it's like there's no in-between. So, I don't know. I think Ricky's back, but he needs some refinement on that putting. Well, it is it is amazing, though, as you say that. Like, on TV, it looks bad, but you look at the numbers. I mean, he's putted really well statistically yeah. the last couple of weeks, which is what's attributed to him basically two straight top 10s and is looking yeah. pretty good again this week. I agree with that. It's, it, that's the perfect example of the stats not looking like they marry up with what you're watching, but you're right. Like, Ricky from 70 feet is two putting more often than everyone else, right? So that's like helping his putting stats. But like from 10 feet, he might be a little below average. Yeah. Golf's just better with Ricky around. It know? is. And kids, oh my God. And kids love him too. And then that's Ricky the makes thing. a hole in one. Like, you know, that's just yeah. like oh, a perfect storyline. 30 yard exactly. hole too. It's such a good storyline. I don't know if you guys saw, but someone tweeted about when Ricky made the hole in one and they're all celebrating. Ricky goes and grabs Jason Day to hoist him up in the air. And this one reporter said something about like, because Jason Day has back issues, right? And he's like, the whole golf world was just like, they held their breath for a second while Ricky <laughs> grabbed Jason's back. And then he got down. He's like, oh, okay, he didn't hurt him. <laughs> I was reading this thing about Steph Curry and how kids really, really like Steph Curry because they can. It, they, he pretty much looks like them and they can see themselves like shooting threes but they can't see themselves like you know being like lebron because you, you, you're not going to be six foot eight ricky's kind of the same way he kind of yeah. like kind of like is just like fun loving like out there and like a lot of the younger he's like the top i was reading is like, like top five like most popular golfer amongst kids on the tour still even though he's in the top 120 Absolutely. and it doesn't matter so he any any anytime he's relevant it's great Odo xer right like guys like it feels like he comes from kind of humble beginnings absolutely 
All right, we'll move in this week. We got the Genesis. It's Thursday, so we've seen most of round one. We got Homo on top of the leaderboard. We got Rom lurking, JT, Rory, and, and Tiger out on the course. Colin, this is your favorite event. You said this is above, above majors, right? Number you said six. you love Riv. Let's talk a little bit about what you're looking forward to this week. Oh, well, talk about a great golf course. Riv is just such such an iconic course. Um, talk about the holes you remember. Number one, the big, long par five down the hill. One of my favorite tee shots. Birdie, opening tee shots. Yep. Birdieable hole. Most guys should birdie this week. They'll probably have like 180 in. Um, number four is going to be ridiculous tough, ridiculously tough par three. It's playing uh, like 240 right now, and you got to carry it up over a bunker. Um, number six is a gr- another par three. They have put a bunker in the middle of the green, which is something you don't see on tour a whole lot. Um, and you then it's from memory right now. It's just like you're just yeah. I told you it's one of those courses where you just remember like just great staring holes. off in the distance. Yep. Number ten, probably the best short par four on the rotation. Um, you can really get yourself in a lot of trouble, even if you hit an iron off the tee and try to play conservative because the green is just a sliver and slopes straight down. And then um, number 18, the iconic yeah. finish, like up the hill oh, and around nice. to the right where you uh, it's it's birdieable, but it's going to be a tough birdie, and it always comes down to that hole. It's like the stadium seating around it, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And it's a tough – like I think what you can't tell about that hole is that the fairway is like 40, 50 feet above the tee box. Right. So guys, it's like very unforgiving, right, because your ball's in the air such little time. You really got to be perfect with Bad it. Bad for Collins' game. It runs like 100 <laughs> yards. I can never play that hole. <laughs> 50 feet, that's the whole That's the, that's the whole apex. We talk about 10 being the most iconic par 4. I would say, like, you know, maybe it kind of uh, rivals 17 at, at Scottsdale. But this year, we just didn't see many people going for the green. I don't know. They were all laying up short and right and taking the easy pitch. But 10 is very much drivable. Rory, Hideki, some of the longer hitters, they're putting three wood just over the green this week. So you'll see a lot of balls get close. What's wild is that all these holes, like, They've, it's from the course is like 100 years old and re, has remained relatively untouched. They've done very like minimal changes to it over the years, despite all the lengthening you see and the, all, all that drama and controversy that you know you hear. They haven't had to do much to this course, and it still holds up as being a challenge to so many guys. Like, this is one of the what few courses that Tiger's never won at, isn't it? Right, and it's his event, right? We know that he kind of sponsors his event. It's where he got his first start. Is this where they play the Buick back in the day? Yep. His first start, it's yeah. always some vehicle. <laughs> you see a stat today that Tiger has birdied every hole he's played since 2020, meaning like like in a round, like what a every day? single hole he's played, like he's birdied in one every hole like once. Well, that's like once. that's interesting. Six, it's like it, six courses, right? It's like <laughs> true. It's like, it's like hitting a home run like, in every <laughs> baseball stadium. Yeah. Like it's like one of those things. The like, big stat today was that this is Tiger's first non-major round in something like eight. Was it 800 or how many days was it? It's the 2020 yeah. Zozo. So. December of 2020. That's number six. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it was like an 800 number. It's outrageous. 1-800. <laughs> but no, this is like, this tournament's the perfect contrast to last week. I mean, it's it's not really something that average fans are going to watch, but it's it's an iconic course, and it's really got that major feel. I, know, I, think, I think if a lot of regular fans are watching this week, because Tiger's playing. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. But he if he wasn't needle. playing, you know, the, the, pop, the uh, viewership would go into a quarter of what it is but you know they i think a lot of people view this as the fifth major even over the players because it is like you said that it survives the test of time they don't have to change it and it's just such a demanding course for a lot of different shots yeah you go from a course last week where every par four is like 460 yards plus um granted i guess the ball flies a little farther where they were playing it last week but 
I mean, most of the par fours this week are like barely pushing over 400 and they're still just as tough. And you got to deal with that Kikuyu uh, rough and everything. It <laughs> adds a whole grass new element. Yeah, this this was the birth of my uh, my agronomy uh, series <laughs> last year. How, how is the yard backyard coming up? Uh, Luna has torn most of it up, so <laughs> I, I like talking about grass. I agronomy can't grow it. Is like the I think the the biggest word we ever used on this podcast. <laughs> that Brazilian so Brazilian study of the stars. <laughs> Sorry. I like the idea of this being a little bit more of a traditionalists golf tournament and golf course. You're right. Like they haven't lengthened the course much, but it still proves to be a pretty, pretty tough test. I think today scores are pretty low today. The, the wind's not really up, but it's a course, right? It moves really hard left and right. It's tight. It's tight. It's treed. It's the roughest thick. Once you get past the first cut, so a uh, drive today, Tony Finau hit into the face of a bunker, like the grass. And fortunately enough, he got an embedded ball ruling to drop it. But most of the time, they don't consider the balls embedded because that Kikuya is so thick and long that it's almost impossible to tell if it's in the ground, so they just make them play it. So there's a lot of things about this course that are tough, but you're right. Like, average fan, even though this is a designated event, big field, big purse, they might not be watching, but the dedicated traditionalist golf fan loves this event. So last year, uh, 19 under one, and two guys were at 17. So what, who's the leaderboard today? In the seven under is the leaderboard? Yeah, seven for Homo. Or not, sorry. Homo. Yeah. Homo. So if the conditions stay Mad good, Max, you see I think is what they were calling him potentially, but Mad Max getting your home a ball. I love the Mad <laughs> Max. Rominator. <laughs> the Rominator. I love the Mad Max. But he the was commentators are rough yeah. right now on ESPN. Oh, yeah. Keith DJ Mitchell actually just tied him. So we got a, a two-way tie at the top. Tiger right also now. made a birdie, so yeah. we're, we're one yeah. closer. Nice, nice, even. nice. He's it even? Yeah. Nice. Ben's guy, Keith Mitchell, you kind of called this a few weeks ago. Well, he's uh well, I mean, we talked about how good of a driver the golf ball he is, right? Maybe that like I think that's starting to become a statistic that's somewhat synonymous with raising yourself in the world rankings or like in the PJ Tour rankings, FedEx Cup race. Like we talk about how good Rahm and Rory are, the two best drivers of the golf ball in the world. Probably in my opinion, maybe statistically there's other ones in there. Daniel but Berger number three. Daniel Berger like hundred three hundred and three. <laughs> but now we got Keith Mitchell, right, driving the ball well. These guys come to courses, they just have to be somewhat refined with their iron short game and putting. When they're putting a three thirty down the middle, now, these guys are plenty good enough to to get the ball in the hole. Tully's clapping over there watching golf on his phone. <laughs> Tiger <laughs> birdie. Uh, he, he just hit, put, piped it down the middle right in the middle of fairway <laughs> on a par five. Very excited. <laughs> nice. Within the next couple weeks, I'm kind of looking for one guy that like we probably maybe haven't heard of either before or like haven't heard of a lot to really break through. I remember last year, this was the event that Cameron Young kind of came onto the scene. And he was, I just, he was tied second last year. Yeah, yeah, we were kind of all watching it. Like, who's this Cameron Young guy? I've never even heard of him before. And he just came on. He was, like, knocking in bunker shots. He was lights out. So that was kind of his coming out party last year. So, I don't know. We saw Nick Taylor last week. Maybe he'll be coming back to the top of the leaderboard soon. But I'm really looking for someone that we haven't, like some young guy to, to break through these first couple events where things really start getting kicked off on the PGA Tour. It's going to be Tom Kim. Like, we know him a little bit because of – the, the President's Cup, really, but I think he's going to be that guy that you see have a, a big jump and kind of become more of a like a namesake. So I think he is part of that like group of players that they don't want, want to be at all of those designated events or whatever. I think he's going to be the one that prior to the, really the President's Cup last year was relatively unknown. What about, I literally just read this guy's name. I don't, I mean, what about Hayden Buckley? I've seen him on TV. He has two top fives this year. He's he, okay. I was just thinking, I was just about to bring I was up watching Hayden him Buckley. today a little bit, and I was like, who, I don't know much about him. He should have won is the he, Sony Open this year. He was That's two, he's well second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's he, a solid golfer too. Yeah, and then Davis, Davis Thompson's 300 through 10 right now. Like, there's yeah. a lot of young talent. I like that we're in that world now where, like, it does feel like the veterans, even though Justin Rose just won, right? We, we, 
maybe won't see veterans contend quite as much because the young players are playing so well. And then you have like your thoroughbreds, right? We have like our top 20 right now in the FedEx Cup rankings. It's hard to pick anyone outside of that. But then you got the young kids who are kind of coming up to break through. Well, it's like the, I mean, it's like the live vacuum basically, right? We have 20 golfers out. We have 20 golfers in. Maybe we have some, you know, some guys that rise through the rankings. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a little bittersweet looking at the leaderboard from last year because this is really where Joaquin kind of made a big statement. Yeah. And, and we were expecting big things yeah. from him. And he goes to live. And now everyone never to be heard to from again. Congratulate him is all awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the most depressing times in my golfing, like, knowledgeable career. Like, Joaquin was my guy. I knew Joaquin when he was like 15 years old, like the RBC number one Heritage. amateur. Yeah, he was like well, he's the number one amateur in South America and then won a big amateur championship and then got some bursts into the Masters and like four or five years later it was really materializing. And he's still a great golfer, but man, it was hard it was hard to see him go to live. All right. So what else we got going on? We got the full swing docuseries. No spoilers. We won't do any spoilers. <laughs> no Just brought out by Netflix, out. right? It was uh you can it, leave you they recorded all of last year in twenty twenty two to bring us an eight an eight episode docuseries kind of following the PGA tour, following the drama, the players the events. I'm like halfway through. Telly's finished. Ken Collin, a few episodes in. Josh has not started watching. Well, uh, before you all get into spoiling the whole thing, the reason we're I'm not. so we far won't. behind Telly will. is Allie is very interested in watching it with yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Because I made her watch a preview and she's like, I would watch that. Like, it looks like it's drama filled and tells a story more than just, you know, right. watching guys hit golf balls. So I came down to the basement. Excited like, to last, see if she's going to watch it. Last night, right? Threw it on. Darius said, what are you doing? It's like, you want to watch a movie? I was like, well, I'm watching this golf series. He goes, okay, I'll try it. So that's why you didn't go to the tavern. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> guess what? Dara loves it. There's like, there's enough like drama and there's you know, very little golf. Yeah. It's good. Which is yeah. like, I could, it's a, basically a reality show. And it's somewhat catered to the non golfer. They explain a lot of things like how cuts work, they right? Explain yeah. what the birdies and pars are. And yeah. Uh, that's I mean, a little, it feels a little elementary, but I think it's good for someone who's watching that doesn't know much about golf. There, you could tell they sat some people down. They're like, can you explain what a cut is to us? <laughs> so if, wait, half the golfers don't make it? You're going to have to explain this because this <laughs> it's is like a little, the, I mean, we're, we're like a target audience. I mean, we're like the, we know, you know, so it's, it's a little annoying at times, but it's fine. I get I get why they did it. Basically, it's, it's a good it's a good spectrum because there's a lot of things that maybe someone who doesn't know much about golf will go unnoticed, like jokes that Ian Poulter's cracking that they just kind of brush off the shoulders of a novice. But then us, we're like, oh my god, remember that one time in 2014 at at Carnoustie with the Ryder Cup when he did that and that. That's like it all kind of links. The Northwest at approximately <laughs> yeah. six miles an hour. And so it, it caters to a wide audience, which I love about it. I think it's pretty fascinating. A couple of takeaways. I mean, no spoilers, but like they say <laughs> no again. <laughs> they, I think I would pay attention if you're going to watch it. Someone listening to this, if you're going to watch it, like the, the people they put in episodes together, it's really like sometimes it's complimentary and sometimes it's very contrasting. I agree. And they like really craft a narrative, sometimes fair and sometimes unfair, in my opinion, like about if you have a two different golfers in an episode and they very clearly are comparing their lives and you're kind of meant to like make some assumptions about them, especially with the live PGA thing. Well, whether like it's a kind of a good, bad situation, it's a, it's fascinating. And I think you see a lot of the emotion of a lot of the live guys that you don't actually like, I've been seeing them as kind of just like, Oh, they, they left and they're just kind of assholes now, but like, you kind of get a, hu it's very humanizing in a lot of ways. And I, I think it's really effective. Yeah. I, th I thought it was really interesting how they did it. Yes. I have already watched all of it in one day. It's fine. <laughs> but like, I thought it was really interesting because it's, I expected it to be more like chronological that like yeah, you're going to start at the beginning and you're going to end it, yeah. end at the end sort of situation. But instead, 
like the first episode, I, don't, I wouldn't consider this a spoiler. They they jump to like the RBC heritage. No spoilers. They, they, but they, it, I mean, so it the, is it is very much like there's a major timeline. It is chronological. But you're right when they're talking about a specific player, they'll it's jump around base. to try and give you a better picture of what happened this year for this player and maybe why they're acting. Yeah, it's not acting. it's not super chronological because like they don't even mention really like the Masters, which was the week before the RBC Heritage. They they just completely blow past that, which is arguably the biggest tournament in the year. All right, no spoilers. So That's so it. is each episode just the two characters and then they're not featured anymore in the rest of the nah, series? They're kind of like thrown like in mostly, sporadically, no. but it's mostly like this is okay. this is the Rory episode, the uh, JT episode. Like I think like since that. you're saying RBC, they're probably talking about Spieth in the first episode. It does happen to correlate like, to like when people win more. Yeah. Yeah, you see, oh, okay. like occasionally, but it's like there. It's like right. It's it not is, telling his every, story. Every every episode, in my opinion, can be watched individually. You could watch it out That's of order point. if you really wanted to, yeah. and you'd be fine. So you could just jump to. Yeah. I want to watch. So which one should I start with? Like, what's what's the telly? Like, eight to one. Eight to one. <laughs> yeah, watch it in reverse order. <laughs> like I'm only halfway through, but I assume, like for example, when they get to the open piece. There'll probably be a lot about Cam Smith, but there'll be a lot about Rory too. It's like storylines. Like even though Cam Smith won it, they're probably gonna talk a lot about Rory because yeah. this was like a pivotal time when Liv and PGA were splitting, right? So they do a good job of talking about relevant players, whether they win or they don't win, or what's in the what's in the news, the headlines. It, it's also like as much about struggle as it is about like triumph, which yeah. I thought was really like was really uh, interesting. I, I was if it was just about who won and who did well, I think it would be very surface level. But they got they get pretty deep into like guys being like struggling not, not confident yeah. about themselves or like family life and it's it's pretty interesting i think that's one of my biggest takeaways from the previews yeah was that exact issue with brooks and talking about how like he gets into it man depressed and no spoilers yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that, well, that was in the preview. That's not yeah, a spoiler. Was a preview. I will I, say, and I don't, again, I'm not going to call this a spoiler either. Uh, <laughs> Colin thinks we're spoiling. They are don't surprisingly even keeled. Oh, they're not taking a super aggressive approach against live or for live kind of in that argument they're just which was kind of it is yeah. yeah but I, I like everything you've seen in golf media has been very like these guys are the villains kind of thing for the most part if you turn on golf channel or listen to any broadcast i really did appreciate the fact that it was here yeah. their side but of the you story can't be in a guy's home and call him a villain yeah that's i, I mean, personally yeah. think they can it, do whatever they want on the editing room you know floor. i personally do think it kind of leans one way but i do yeah. think it's kind of tossed up and, and it lets you make the decision yeah. which way you want to think it. Right, but I personally felt like it was very like leaning one way, but that's me. Like I think I could see other people seeing it leaning the other way. So that's why I like I do think it's filmed it's filmed well. Like I mean, the golf nut in me wishes that it was way more intense and it was way more like, yeah. you know, but it's just not going to be that way so it cuz it caters to such a large audience, but I'm going to say I give it, you know, I've only seen half of it so far, but I'm at like, you know, IMDb ratings, right? So like the highest you can go would be like maybe like a nine out of ten would be like outrageously good. This is like an eight, eight one. Like it's really good. Episode eight's gonna get you to a full ten. I'm yeah, sure. I think a full ten. <laughs> Godfather's only nine point two. It's full ten centimeters. <laughs> I think the show does a. I think the show is a great job of like giving you the facts. Like Ben said, you make your own decision about live PGA, like yeah. who's against who, whatever. But the show really focuses on like players themselves whichever whoever's being featured in that episode like what they're going through what they're thinking and it really like lets you relate to them as like human beings or like as a a golfer myself i like i want no spoilers like i thought i was i thought (laughs) i would come into the show i thought (laughs) i would come into the show like seeing like these live guys and i would just be like oh they look so bad like i can't stand it but i'm seeing these live guys like Brooks in particular, and I'm like, 
he thinks the same way that I do every time I step on a golf course. Like, yeah. well, I can't hate this guy. I, when I was watching the DJ episode, every like when he would say something, hey, like, we're starting a little, little spoiler <laughs> no, no, here. I'm not gonna. I'm not spoiling shit. When no I, spoilers. When I was watching the DJ episode, he would say something, and I'd be like. Colin would definitely 100% agree with that. I'm not even there yet, and I feel being spoiled. So you already bought your four aces merchandise after getting on board with Wib. Nothing is being spoiled. I do agree. They present the facts and let you make the decision. Oh, my God. Well, because I think, right, we get caught in this world where, like, the behemoth of the PGA Tour and the behemoth of Liv drive media headlines, and the players get caught, you know, in the downfall of whatever that ends up being your decision. Like, you make your decision whether you're PGA or live, and then everyone that's on the other side of the docket, you hate them. And it's like, it's unfair. So I do appreciate how they present this and gives you a chance to really be like, now I've really been presented all the facts because I wasn't just given live rhetoric or PGA rhetoric. Now I can make my decision. Is this you telling us to stop talking about it? We spoiled it enough? No, no. Yeah, I do think we're spoiling it a little bit, but it's been good. Anything. Well, the, the timing that they decide to do this docuseries could not have worked out yeah, they, more. They got the script was well it's handed a goal out in advance. It's a goal. They, they, the the okay, so they, they knew it the was script. coming. So yeah. what's going to happen? Because it's season two, right? They're doing the same thing again. I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know if it's been confirmed. Netflix is out there again. You know, so that's also the other thing that I was like, eh, not like let down by. Like, I, you know, I don't know what I was expecting per se, but, you know, we know who wins these damn tournaments. Yeah. So it's That's like why there's no real spoilers, Ben. <laughs> Sometimes I do feel like they're like, and Scotty Scheffler makes a birdie on the 15th hole. The waste manager's like, we know he fucking wins. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. But I think I, they took yeah. the same approach they did with like the F1 series where it's it's really, the target audience is not golf fans. Right. So it's, yeah. you're, they're assuming you don't know what, what a par is. This tournament or what a par <laughs> is. Yeah, we're sitting here and like, it's like the well. US Open and I'm like, and they're like talking about like Joel Damon. I'm like, Darryl, you think he wins it? And there's like, oh, I'm really starting to like this guy. I hope he wins it. I'm like, he doesn't. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> you just spoiled it for all our fans. Oh, Joel Damon does not win the 2022 US Open at the country club. Sorry. I, I felt like, especially because we started this podcast like exactly when the, the show started, like it starts with like the RBC Heritage and then in the Phoenix Open. It's like, it's basically like, us reliving our last year of our lives too, which I just I'm, I'm just loving it. I appreciate that. I agree. Yeah, it's it's very, like, I'm like it's very reminiscent. Yeah. I'm like just getting back in all the tournaments, and like sometimes I forget who wins. I'm like, oh shit, what did Joel Damon actually? Or do? like we're talking who about Cameron Young, 2022 Masters. Cameron Young coming know. in second yeah. at Genesis. That was such a milestone for us, like recognizing the kid's talent, knowing yeah. what great things were to come, and we might forget about that. But then they bring it back up in the docu series, and you're like, wow, that's right, that was a big moment. But all in all, I will say. As a golfer, no as oh, a no. golfer, it had Here's the right the effect for me. Is that I am very excited now for this season after like watching it. Kind of like yeah. it was like a Kickstarter to like get you you really going after some of the tournaments are a little bit more mad, all that kind of stuff. It has me ready to go out and play golf and ready to watch more golf. Yeah, like at the at, I don't know. Once I finished the fourth episode, I was sitting here like you know. Why don't I just start hitting range balls on Saturday mornings or something? Like, I could get up early. Nothing's stopping me from getting up at 7 a.m. to go hit some range balls. I'm like, oh, it's got me. It's got me hooked. It made me think, man, I need to go glue back my nine iron together. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, as a la my last thought on this is, like, they talk about, like, how each player is motivated and why they're motivated and what, what their goals are. And it's like, especially as, like golfers like us, like, we all have different goals and motivations like i you know i just want to go play a, like a couple rounds every now and then like i don't know if you want to get better or, you know but like it, it's kind of like every single every single golfer approaches the game very differently and it's kind of like the average everyday golfer like everyone has yeah, it's so relatable yeah. yeah and it's like you think when you're a fan that all these guys are just like robots and they just want to be the best in the world but not all of them like really have that same kind of killer instinct some are just out there having fun and it's like 
they just it's it's cool i think that's how golf comes off to a lot of people that aren't that into golf is that it's kind of like it's it maybe a little too competitive right like i feel like myself i i am very competitive playing golf not against other people but against myself mir and tully were talking about playing uh pebble beach and i'm like yes i'd love to play pebble but like when i got to play royal county down it's like i almost can't embrace how beautiful and fun it is because i'm just like so connected and want to play well like it's just so ingrained in me to try to post a score well, that and it's that's how to... sawgrass was right. I, I fell into that trap a little bit too i, I should have said i'm just out here to have a good time who cares if i shoot 120 but yeah. i was like grinding and trying to play well and you kind of lose a appreciation for what you're doing so i think some of the pros they present in this show will be very relatable to people that want to get into golf because a lot even even some pros don't take it as serious as you think they do but they're trying to enjoy it do all of us have different like yearly goals like some people are like i want to win a major and it's my like for us like telly's like i want to break 80 this year yeah yeah. it's like i want to break it's been like the last five years or shoot below 90 or call you know we all have different goals and it's like it seems like they all think the same way you know which is yeah it's just there on a whole different level yeah (laughs) but i think that's the greatest thing about golf like people who have never played think you have to be good and you go out there and you start playing you're like well i can just compete against myself every time i go out there and have a good time get better yeah it's only like it's something crazy, like like I don't know, less than five percent of golfers have even broken eighty mm-hmm. or something like that. So it's like, trust me when I say, oh. if you go out, you shoot one hundred and twenty, you're amongst the masses, and that's what golf is. Golf needs to be built more around that because it's often catered way too much to the sub eighty golfer. Is there a way to put like bumpers on the golf course? Kind right, of, kind of like they have bowling <laughs> ladies tees. I think I've seen what? some forward tees, forward tees, right? Wow, that's what I meant. God. I meant the, the new progressive theme of not giving, the, you know, Didn't sound connotations very progressive to me, man. When you're well, playing from the, the tips, you don't care about everybody in front of you. All right, so then one more thing to talk about, TGL, Rory, and Tigers thing. Xander and Justin Rose recently added. I think two good names. I've talked previously about how I think Liv is just going to dominate, like, the international contingency. Like, they're really targeting countries and continents really and so pga and tgl concentrating on getting a guy like justin rose in i think it's really important justin rose on the barometer of like ian poulter and other british golfers i think the justin rose is probably the most accomplished and one of the mo- one of the more favorited players so i think it's a big one for tgl and he just won so that's it's that's huge big for them. like before justin rose won the at&t i would have been underwhelmed by that announcement, but um, he played really well there, and I think he's he's coming back into form. He's played okay today as well. I think he's yeah. one or two under. So, like, you're right. It's a, it's an important signing for them. And then Xander and Justin Rose, the back-to-back last two gold medalists in the Olympics. So talk about mm-hmm. growing the game. People that might not know much about golf, but we're, I don't know, we're, Justin Rose won in Brazil, I think, right? So maybe there are a bunch of Brazilian kids that know Justin Rose because he won the gold medal there. Resiliency. He's also Resiliency. in a lot of commercials like MasterCard and stuff. Like he's very well sponsored. Yeah, very much golfer so. Golfer and like foundation. So I feel like he's going to add a lot to, to that league. And Xander wins in Tokyo, right? So that's a, like, I know there's yeah. probably a lot of kids that say, oh, I remember like Xander Shoffley won the gold medal here. Well, and Xander's one of those guys too that kind of seemed a little disconnected from the PGA Tour during last season. And we kind of wondered like, and him, is him and his little buddy can't like go yeah. to to live and so him signing with the TGL I think is a big get and you know a, a guy who's consistently one of the best players in the US for Ryder Cup and President's Cup teams to kind of stick around and and keep growing the game. You know a lot of people aren't talking about it but Patrick Cantley having a DeWalt sticker <laughs> on the side of his hat. I think that's really good for the PGA Tour. That's American brand. Middle America my, is so America. happy. They oh pulled my this video for the Instagram. If it had been Milwaukee, oh my Talk God. Talk about a guy who you can guarantee has never held a power tool in his life. <laughs> next thing you know, next thing you know you watch next week, 
His new clothing sponsor is going to be Dickies or something. <laughs> you watch. Carhartt. You watch Carhartt. Car, the first Carhartt over jacket <laughs> while driving. See, middle America loves Patrick Kaylin. restricted, but you know, it's really right down the middle. He could have signed with Milwaukee, but he said, I'm not about them expensive tools. <laughs> Give me a DeWalt. And this is where the podcast has devolved. <laughs> DeWalt. All right, that's all we got this week. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram, follow us at Big Players Only Pod, and check out our Facebook, the Big Players Only Podcast Facebook page. Lots of new written content coming there weekly. Tiger, sponsored by DeWalt. Sponsored by DeWalt. DeWalt. Sponsored by DeWalt. DeWalt. See you, everyone. Sponsored.